Blog Talk Radio. We had 
guests on the last couple of weeks, and they've talked about things like uh, uh, an innocent accident. Somebody sitting at a light or somebody driving down the road gets creamed by a drunk driver, and next thing you know, they wake up you know, in the hospital on a morphine drip, and now they're an addict. Or somebody who had a drug problem before um, kicked it, they've been clean for 20 years, and then a similar thing happens, they get in an accident. Next thing you know, they're prescribed uh, opiates, and it takes them right back to that place they left off. Um, we have issues like veterans, VA uh, insurance, where we have numerous examples that I know of, which means there's probably thousands of them, where somebody who is a decorated veteran, they've been you know, in and out of the VA for various different reasons, <clears throat> they get cancer. They go through, you know, whatever their course of action, whether it's a surgery or radiation or chemo or whatever the latest thing is, and then they end up getting on cannabis oil. And miraculously, they get cured. Now they have no cancer, but they still have whatever issues they had prior to this, and they've been on whatever pain medication they've been on, and all of a sudden the doctor finds out that they're on cannabis. The next thing you know, they cut their pain meds off. Um, Chris Lewandowski may be joining us today. Uh, he's told his story here before. It's a harrowing story of, uh, you know, getting out of multiple tours in combat, uh, getting blown up, having all sorts of uh, uh, health issues, <clears throat> coming home uh, as a decorated disabled veteran on a regimen of, of pharmaceuticals, uh, you know, 10, 15, 20 different pills. And, you know, the problem is is you get put on one pill, and that pill has some kind of a side effect, and all of a sudden you can't eat or you can't sleep or you can't crap or you can't insert problem. And then you go back to the doctor and say, well, it helps some with the pain, but I have this problem. And he says, okay, well, we're going to give you this for that. Well, now you have two chemicals in your body. And then you take those two, and that pretty much resolves the one, but now you get headaches. And then he gives you something for that. And, you know, it just compounds, uh, you know, these side effects. You know, our bodies have very complex chemistry to begin with, and your brain uh, and all of your glands are producing chemicals that regulate, that uh, cause things to happen or cause things to not happen inside your body. And even when your body is running perfect, and you have no chemical imbalances, and you, your body, you're, you are considered to be healthy, it's a very, very delicate balance. Well, most people have some kind of issues, something in their body doesn't work right, and they have some kind of a chemical imbalance, and we deal with those things. Uh, turns out, cannabis happens to be wonderful at dealing with imbalances. The endocannabinoid system is... Uh, a regulatory system. It's a system that uh, helps to keep your own body's chemistry in balance. And when people start taking this uh, uh, plant extracts and, and even just eating and smoking the plant itself, they find these imbalances to get back into balance. And this is such a conundrum because something that is so beneficial 
so healing to so many, has caused more people to go to jail than probably any other thing out there. And this is, you know, on some level coming to a better place. And, you know, of course I have mixed feelings about all the legislation that's happening. Um, Obviously, I want prohibition to end. Um, Passing laws that allow for certain things, in most people's opinion, it's a step towards that. Unfortunately, it's a double-edged sword, and uh, we're going to talk about that a little bit. In California, uh, we passed a a legalization, with giant quotes around it, initiative, and uh, it allows for recreational use, um, you know, 21 and older. So you say to yourself, okay, well, let's just start there, 21 and older. So if I'm 19 or 20 years old, I'm able to vote, I'm able to go to war for the country, I'm able to drink in some states. I'm able to smoke tobacco in some states. And this thing that is now deemed okay for adults to have, I can't have. Um, it, it it makes no sense on that point. But this was one of the points that those, the, the compromisers, let's call them that, the compromisers, those that say, well, we got to play the game. we got to just do what it takes and, find some way that we can make it work. And so we give up all these things. We say, well, you know, what about the children? What about the children? A child has never been killed by this plant ever either. Not once. Okay, now has some kid eaten a brownie and had a freak-out session? Yeah, but you know what? Kids eat baby Tylenol and die from them all the time. Kids get into the liquor bottles and die from alcohol poisoning. Kids die from all kinds of substances, but they have not died from cannabis. So this whole notion of we got to protect the children from the cannabis doesn't make sense. You know, I think to myself, when is it that we're going to actually make some sense? When is it that we're going to uh, decide that it is important to make sense with what we do? And I don't know. I don't know if that's ever going to happen. I hope it does. I'd like to think it's going to. But right now, we're going to talk about the problems and the solutions. Another little issue that we have is uh, doctors. Uh, This new law that we passed is actually a nightmare for doctors. Um, And it's happened in most states where they passed a recreational law. Um, What it does is it kind of does away with the medical law in a lot of ways and it makes it so that these you know these stores that have you know recreational cannabis available uh, become the norm and the medical shops and the little mom and pop places uh, become dinosaurs they become extinct they become uh, no longer uh, able to be used uh, both by the patients and uh, by the page, by the by the owners, you know, it, it becomes not um, it becomes not viable. And you know, in Oregon, the medical law has uh, all but been decimated because of the recreational rules. Colorado, uh, the medical is virtually gone. Washington, uh, same issue. Um, these recreational shops have kind of dominated everything. 
and you know it's just one of these one of these things that the the rec, the medical rights that states passed were more powerful uh gave the patients more rights to both have the medicine they need get it without having to pay all these taxes uh you know it there's so many people that consider themselves cannabis patients that are just coming out of the closet. They're just uh, feeling comfortable enough to go and participate in this arena of people who are open-minded enough to try something that's not made in a chemistry lab and not made with chemicals, single molecule ingredients. It's actually a plant and plant extract. Um, And people are starting to feel more comfortable because uh, they feel like they're not in jeopardy of going to jail so much, even though in many cases they still are. Um, and they, a lot of these people are on fixed incomes. We have disabled people that get a disability check, Social Security of some sort, a lot of elderly folks, um, you know, a lot of uh, uh, veterans who, you know, come back disabled, all sorts of folks living on limited income and fixed incomes. And when you think about cannabis, um, a plant that anybody could grow, really, anyone could realistically grow, but many people can't grow or won't grow because they're either not good at it, they're not able to spend enough time doing it, they don't live in a place that's conducive to it. There's so many reasons that people don't grow even though everybody could. It's a very simple, easy plant to grow. Uh, it's not easy to grow a boutique quality, but it's easy enough to grow a crop that anybody as a patient could consider to be their medicine. Well, one of the things that's happened in California especially, and I believe it's happened in Michigan and some of the other states, I think, I'm not sure about Washington, but I know California for sure because I live here and I, I've met and know several of the doctors that have been involved, doctors have been targeted by the medical board. And, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's frightening to see that the length that the government will go uh, to set up people, to, to capture them, to, to set up a sting. And uh, in many cases, uh, the medical board will send in undercovers just like uh, – the DEA, just like, um, you know, any drug task force, and they'll go into a a doctor's office, a doctor that writes recommendations, and they will look for things to basically uh, go after them for. And Dr. David Allen is one of these people. And, you know, there's there's a fine line with these recommendations, and there's a huge gray area, many, many shades of gray in this. Um, First of all, a doctor cannot prescribe cannabis anyways. So there's not a a prescription ever involved. What there is is a recommendation. And a doctor, as a licensed physician, has gone through serious medical training. He's gone through uh, many times 10 or more years of school residency. Um, He's gone through extensive training. He has to pass one of the most difficult tests out there, and then he gets a license that allows him to practice medicine. Well, think about that. You practice medicine. You practice law. 
you don't execute it, you don't uh, deliver it, you don't, um, I don't know, there's some probably many other descriptors for, for, for people, you know, mechanics fix your car. Mechanics don't practice mechanicking. There's, you know, there, there's certain jobs that you do. Somebody who's a pilot flies a plane. He doesn't practice flying, okay? So when you're dealing with law and medicine, you're dealing with such a complex um, environment. You're dealing with, with such a complex set of variables that you're always learning. You're always doing and just because somebody's a doctor doesn't mean they're good. And just because somebody's a new doctor doesn't mean they're not good. Practice, practice, practice. That's what doctors do. That's what lawyers do. They practice their trade, practice their profession. Well, if you think about the standard of a recommendation, um, a doctor has the ability to diagnose a problem, right? So somebody comes to a doctor Nowadays, we live in a world of electronic uh, communication. So doctor might get an email, might get a, a video. He might get or she might get um, a, a Skype where you actually see the person, might have an in-person visit, might have a, a report that just says what's going on. But based on the information that a doctor has, their training and expertise allows them to make a professional opinion, a diagnosis. And in many cases, a recommendation would make sense. Forever, doctors have have issued recommendations without a thorough examination. Um, not that whenever possible, a thorough examination wouldn't be the best thing to do, but is it necessary? Is it necessary for everything that a doctor does? Is it necessary for a doctor to do a thorough examination to say, you know, in my experience, if you're suffering from a lack of sleep, this might be a benefit to you, knowing full well that there's not a risk of a lethal side effect. You know, that might be a cup of chamomile tea. It might be a bit of valerian. It might be a little bit of cannabis oil. Any of those things likely would be reasonable for any doctor who has experience in things like sleeplessness um, to say, this might help you without having problems. What do doctors typically do? Oh, go take, you know, sleep medicine. Might cause you to, you know, wake up in the middle of the freeway or up in a tree or screwing your neighbor or doing something that you didn't expect you were going to be doing because that's a side effect of some of these drugs. But to give a recommendation for a natural course of action for something that the doctor wouldn't necessarily have to sit and do a thorough examination to determine. If I say I can't sleep at night, what is all of the poking and prodding that, you, that any doctor would do if I went to your office going to cause? And you'd have to sit there with me at night while I was sleeping and see what was happening at those times to give a real diagnosis. But that doesn't happen. I could go to any clinic in America and say, I can't sleep, and I'd get a prescription for Ambien or whatever the hell the sleep aid is of the day without blinking, and they wouldn't do any thorough examination. But what they've done with several doctors that I know of is they'll send in 
a mole. They'll send in a, a, an, an undercover, and they'll have hidden cameras and recorders. And they'll go into that doctor's office, and they will find some little thing that they determine is not uh, above board. And then they go to the medical board. And then, in some cases, they'll do some sort of an inquiry or they'll do an investigation. And, and in Dr. Allen's case, um, you know, this was one such thing where they said, well, he he didn't do a thorough examination before giving a medical uh, marijuana recommendation. And um, they, this was, I, I guess, near a year ago, um, they had a hearing. We had a bunch of court supporters out there, and they gave him... Um, the opportunity to get his license back uh, by going through a whole bunch of courses and spending a whole bunch of money and doing a bunch of things that just didn't make any sense and really weren't feasible. And um, just on Monday, he was about to go back into court and, uh, you know, answer to this, and he was likely going to lose his license. And he was really... uh, uh, down and depressed over this, and um, you know, basically, um, Matt Pappas, the attorney, jumped in at the last second, and he will possibly be joining us today um, to tell us a little bit more about it. And uh, Doc Allen might be joining us as well. And um, this is one of the things that uh, you know the human solution is good for is bringing in support, bringing in the cavalry. Sometimes, unfortunately at the last second. But this is what happens, uh, you know, when people stand together and are willing to go outside of their comfort zone, um, go outside of, uh, you know, the norm uh, to affect a change. And all of these things are side effects of prohibition. All of these things are um, the problem. These are things that passing legalization laws are not going to fix. Um, this week, you know, it's been a week since we passed our law, and our law in California went active immediately. And, of course, there were several cases of people's cases getting dismissed. And, you know, of course my heart goes out to those people. I'm, I'm ecstatic. I've, I've, I've had three times a felony case that was dismissed after grueling and arduous battles, um, and I know what it feels like to have that weight lifted off of you. Um, but it's a double-edged sword because what happens is in some cases, some judges are going to say, oh, yeah, Prop 64 says that's now a misdemeanor and uh, you are, your case is dismissed. I'm not gonna, we're not going to pursue this. But there's going to be other cases. Um, clearly not all the cases we're supporting right now in California have been dismissed. Um, clearly not all the prisoners have gotten out of jail. I don't know that any have. I heard... There is one prisoner that um, has filed uh, his motion and potentially is going to be the first prisoner to get out. And if that works out, that'll be fantastic. If one prisoner gets out, it's good. But the problem is, and this is important for everybody to understand, when we believe that people are not getting persecuted and prosecuted anymore, we change the way we think about it. And when somebody does get persecuted and prosecuted, we tend to think, well, maybe they must have done something wrong. They must have done something beyond what you're allowed to do. And what happens is, is many, many people, and I've watched it happen in states where we passed 
you know, weak legislation. People shift their morals, they shift their their compass, and they somehow feel that, well, he could have followed the law, he could have been legal, but he decided he didn't want to. So now he's got to pay the piper. Now he's got to now he's got to you know uh, maybe go to jail. And you know if he would have just only had six plants, it would have been okay. But he had to have seven, and you know he knew that was against the law. Unfortunately, I fear that we're going to have um, good people uh, duped into believing that it's okay to have six plants but not seven, uh, or whatever your state rules are. Uh, the next point is the taxes. Already I'm hearing uh, in San Diego I got word from one of our patients that uh, his local dispensary just announced that they're jacking the taxes up because of Prop 64, and now he's going to have to go somewhere else because it just doesn't make sense to pay that much. Well, get used to it, folks. That's what tax and regulation is all about. Last week we talked about it a little bit, or probably more than a little bit. Uh, 8,000 California businesses left California in the last several years because of all of our taxes and all of our regulations. And, you know, there's a guy that I know who recently um, you know, he's one of these guys who's like, oh, you know, everything's cool. Just, just go with the flow, man. You know, it's okay. You can play. You can just, just conform, man. It's all right. Uh, you know, you can pay the taxes and you can, you can just be regulated. Just, just go with it. And this is the same guy who was like, oh, well, you know, you'll, you'll get through this. When I was going through my battle, you know, getting locked up four years ago today, I was locked up in the Twin Towers. And I hadn't done anything wrong. They violated my bond uh, because they claimed I had broken the law. Well, I hadn't broken the law, but it didn't matter. That's how bail works. And I you know, spent the next couple of months locked up. Uh, but, you know, somehow I was supposed to just just roll with it, man. You know, we're, we're, it's okay now. We're, we're legal. It's okay. Well, those are people that, to me... Um, are part of the problem. Here's Craig Cecil, currently locked up in federal prison. You have a prepaid call. You will not be charged for this call. This call is from Craig Cecil, an inmate at a federal prison. This call is being recorded and is subject to monitoring. Hang up to decline the call. Craig Cecil, how are you doing today? Hello, I'm a little early, but I'm pretty excited. <laughs> oh, yeah? Tell me about it. Well, I heard from uh, Lauren, my daughter, a little while ago. Uh, she just got back from D.C. a few hours ago. Oh, nice. And, and how did that go? And she, uh, very well, apparently. Um, some of uh, our best prisoner advocates, as you know, are there this week. Yeah? And uh, it really kicked off uh, Monday night with a vigil, a candlelight vigil, out in front of the White House. And uh, a group called Cut 50, who is run by a man named Dan Jones, who was previously in the Obama administration and, you know, is really into liberal issues. He also is a, a CNN correspondent at times. He's put together a group called Cut 50, whose goal is to cut the, the federal prison population by 50%. Now, he's 
gotten a bunch of money and a bunch of backing from Hollywood types, from the Google company, from a whole lot of places. And uh, his group paid to bring the families of 30 federal prisoners to Washington, D.C. Oh, no way. That's awesome. Yes. And they had the candlelight vigil Monday night out in front of the White House with all the family members. And that attracted a lot of press to uh, interview a bunch of family members. My daughter apparently did an interview with ABC and with Vice. Nice. I guess it's so we're hoping that, you know, one or both of those will air. Then there was apparently a, a big panel at a, apparently there's a Google facility in Washington, D.C. Okay. And there, there they managed to uh, attract a bunch of congressmen and had, you know, a bunch of speakers, uh, different lawyers, different experts in criminal justice, and uh, a bunch of the family members. My daughter was one, one of the family members that addressed the congressmen and other dignitaries there. And basically for a need for, you know, to bring federal sentencing more in line with what we would consider common sense. For instance, uh, to make the range of punishment for a marijuana crime, instead of being from zero to life, make it zero to 20 years as a violent crime is punished by the federal government. Right. I mean, that, that would potentially cut federal... Uh, marijuana sentences by about two thirds. Well, that that matches what you've been saying for a while now. Yes, <laughs> but uh, you know some of the other people like Beth and Amy and uh, some of the other heavy hitters are there, <laughs> and and Van Jones certainly is able to garner uh, a lot of press attention. So hopefully there's. Uh, something moving, and there, there's even hope for some uh, legislation moving next year. It turns out there's an alliance forming, uh, or it has formed, between Van Jones and Nick Gingrich. That's called it's from a federal prison. Really? That seems like an odd couple to me. Yeah, no <laughs> kidding. No kidding. But, uh,. What my read is on it, and I, I don't know if I'm right, but uh, what came to mind to me with that is that that may be a Trump effort. Uh, if those two can come together on, you know, uh, criminal justice reform, you know, college different manifestations, if they can come together with something, Newt would sure know how to sell it to Congress. Ian Jones is sure liberal enough. As a gay black man, he was actually too liberal for the Obama administration, but uh, it didn't last very long there. But what that team could bring around about criminal justice reform and might be able to bring inner city and especially inner city blacks, you know, into favor with uh, Donald Trump, it might be really a smart political move on his part. Well, you know, it's 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 funny the. In the last week, um, there's a lot of people running around, you know, saying the sky is falling and everything's terrible and, and you know, America is, is divided and racist and, and all of these things. And, and, you know, frankly, I'm not saying they're not right, but it's not different than it's ever been. But I say this, why don't we look for what can happen that's positive? 
and maybe, just maybe, something like this could happen. And it, 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 it could happen potentially as a result of this crazy president we have now. Um, you know, and what if, what if that was to happen? What if Newt Gingrich, of all people, you know, was to, was to, you know, have something to do with half of the prison population, uh, you know, being being reassigned back to home like they should be? I mean, you know, I just gotta always look at at, at the possible good that could come out of everything, and and you know, the next time around, you know, let's change it. Let's 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 do what we want rather than you know be left with the lesser of two evils again. Um, now, what do you think? I mean, you got you got another, uh, what is it, January 18th when the inauguration comes down? We got a lame duck president now in the last month and a half of office. Literally, this is the, the, the time when a president's the most powerful because he can do anything really without, uh, you know, having to worry about his next election. You know, he's he's got it made for life now. He can walk around on the speaking circuit like all the rest of them and make more money than he ever had and he doesn't really have to worry about it his legacy could really be left right now with his with the with, with the stroke of his pardon pen and and throughout all of history you know this is the time when the mass pardons have come down so what do you what, what's your thoughts yes well as you well know you know we've seen it out of Especially all the recent presidents uh, during this lame duck, you know, part of their uh, presidency, that's when they do the bulk of their clemencies. And uh, we're obviously hoping for that for Obama because it opens a couple of doors to him. It won't hurt people that are running for office. That's already decided. And secondly, I think he can be a bit more aggressive because I think the president's biggest fear in letting somebody out of prison is that they'll get out of prison and, you know, commit a crime or hurt somebody. Oh, of course. And since Barack Obama, I don't see him ever running for elected office again. No. <laughs> I don't think he really has to worry about that at this point. So he can be a bit more aggressive than, you know what I mean, and maybe take a chance on more people that he couldn't do a year ago. Well, you know, it's even, it's even maybe bigger than that because Obama uh, did a lot of his work through his executive orders, and, you know, Trump can come right behind him and undo everything he did with an executive order, and the pardon is the one thing that Trump could not undo. He can't unpardon somebody, so, um, you know, whatever whatever he, you know, Obama had done with the stroke of his pen as an executive order, um, you know, all that could be disappeared, but these pardons and Clemencies are the one thing that he can leave behind as his, as his, uh, as his mark. And you know, if you look throughout history, some of the people that have been pardoned—there's actually been some fairly bad people that were pardoned, that were, you know, friends of family or family of friends. Um, you know, at the last zero hours, some bad people have been pardoned, and and the world looked the other way. And so, you know, this is an opportunity to to go after these nonviolent especially the drug offenders, but there's a lot of immigration uh, nonviolent crimes, too, that are in the federal system that could all be pardoned as well. Well, so far, everybody that Obama has commuted uh, were drug offenders. I mean, there's very few exceptions to that. Right. And uh, so that seems to be his bailiwick. His last list of commutations, 
Uh, of the 72, 46 were for crack cocaine offenses, as they've been a majority of his uh, commutation. But uh, it was basically crack cases and methamphetamine cases. There, well, it, there wasn't any marijuana cases at all. <laughs> well, the reason, though, for that is when when we uh, passed this, these laws originally back in the 80s, uh, they were based off of crack cocaine as a different kind of a drug, and they were, you know, the public was sold on, we're going to go after these kingpins, and what happened was is it, it put a whole lot of, uh, people of color in prison for a long period of time because that's where the crack cocaine was at in the inner cities and so there was a disproportionate number of, of people locked up for crack cocaine for a while even before you know all the big pot cases were coming through oh that's true and I mean I'm literally looking at the of them right now yeah and unfortunately you see a bunch of these inner city drug addicts that, in exchange for you know some of their own private use crack, they were willing to make deliveries for the local dealer. Now who's the person that gets busted? Right. The guy making the delivery. Oh, it's the little guy. Yeah. And unfortunately, if it's the third drug offense, they're looking at mandatory minimum life. And I. There's many, many of them in the federal prison, and it's really sad to see this is a down-and-out inner-city, you know, uh, crack cocaine user. And he's doing life as a result. I mean, a man that has nothing in common with what we usually ascribe to a drug dealer. They didn't have money, they didn't have riches, they didn't have jewels, you know. <laughs> they had a habit. Yeah, and, you know, it's, it's, it's a really sad... Uh state of affairs when we've got, um, you know, drug addicts are everywhere, all over the world, alcoholics, drug addicts, uh, people with all sorts of addiction problems. It's a, it's, a, it's a rampant problem, and it's a societal problem. It's not usually a criminal problem. Now, if that drug addict steals from somebody or, or, or robs somebody or, or does some other crime as a result of his addiction, that's another story, but the simple act of using or possessing or even manufacturing a drug, you know, it's a it's a different kind of a thing. There's no victim, and and, and the 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 addict himself is the victim more than anything because he's the one who's suffering whether he gets busted or not. And you know, to look at it as as a societal problem, as a medical problem, as a as a psychological problem, as a mental health problem. All of those things just make too much sense, but we 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 go straight to the criminal problem and just lock them up, throw away the key. Well, unfortunately, marijuana doesn't come with a you know with a list of addicts. <laughs> That's the good part. But one thing I'm encouraged by is that that last list of 72 offenders was virtually all crack and methamphetamine, which had the same guidelines for a long time. But it was all those offenders. And what I'm really kind of hoping for is hopefully we'll see a list coming up of a bunch of people serving life for marijuana. Oh, that would be people fantastic. Like, people like John Knox and yep. Paul Free and so many others we can name. You exactly, know. exactly. Well, the good thing is is the list has grown slower. It, it's still grown. We've, we've picked up a few more lifers since I've been in the crusade, but... Um, I think the list has grown slower than it has 
in years past, and we've had more people either die or be released than probably at any other point in the last 20, 30 years. You know, prior to five years ago, I don't know that anybody ever got out early on these kind of a case. No, they did. They, this this has all been within the last three years. Exactly. Obama only commuted one person sentence in his first four years in office. It was a woman uh, on a crack cocaine case, but she had leukemia. She was dying. Right, right. And then about a year into his second term, uh, he really kind of bowed to uh, some press coverage, you know, press pushes. Commuted a group of uh, about half of them were lifers uh, for crack cocaine following the 2010 change in the crack cocaine. And, you know, and the rest is history. I believe he's up to 974 commutations as of last week. So. Well, you know, as, as, as much as I'm not a big fan of him, he he has shown his value with this. And number the other thing is, is he's the only president, the only sitting president that I know of that actually visited a federal prison. So he got a taste of what this was about firsthand, as much as he was probably shielded from a lot of it. He at least was there. Uh, there's your second bell, Craig. Well, thanks for keeping an eye on us, and you're right. Uh, I'm not a fan of uh, virtually all of Obama's policies, but he's been better to federal than any president in my lifetime, and uh, I hope this continues. I hope all of those efforts in Washington, D.C. that are still ongoing. Uh, there'll be some speech tomorrow on TV. I hope those will all, you know, have the potential to help us. Well, I, I, as long as uh, people are out there fighting, we got a chance, and that's uh, that's the way it is. Uh, the cutoff, you know, it's um, it's brutal. Fifteen minutes goes so fast, and uh, you know, even when you see it coming, it's one of these things. Uh, to give Craig a voice uh, is one of the things that uh, keeps me wanting to do this show, regardless if I'm tired or or just don't feel up to it or uh, too busy or whatever. I always think to myself, you know, Craig's sitting there locked up in Terre Haute, Indiana, in a really shitty place, and he looks forward to that 15 minutes, 15 minutes where he gets to talk freely he gets to talk to an audience that uh, you know is 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 preserved for all time. I I could take any one any number of these shows. I think it's been, geez, almost three years now we've been doing these shows, um, and I've got you know it was early on into the into this program that uh, we got Craig to start calling in. We've had a number of other inmates that have called off and on, but Craig's the one that stayed through. It's a risk. People don't all realize. Oh, I've been chastised. I've been chastised by some of these these heavy hitter prisoner advocates. You know, you can't you can't do that. You can't give him uh, the the opportunity to get put into the hole. I say, well, he's a man, and a man on this planet is given inalienable rights to life, liberty, and pursuit of happiness. And even if you're locked up in federal prison, if I have any ability whatsoever to promote your life, liberty, or pursuit of happiness, I'm going to do it. And so um, everybody knows how I feel about these things. All right, we have a lot of callers online, and um, the topic really I would like to have as much as we can 
to to keep back into the war on drugs and the drugs that are actually the problem. And we can go deep into, you know, all the ancillary um, problems that come from 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 this, you know, the war on drugs. And it, it reaches into so many different areas. We've got children who suffer because um, they're given terrible drugs instead of the opportunity to have cannabis, or they might get access to a little CBD, but if they could just get a one-to-one, it would make all the difference. But they can't have that because it's illegal. Or, again, the doctor uh, losing his license. Um, Dr. Allen is is on, on hold right now. So uh, we're going to go ahead. I'm going to sort of do it in order of um, callers as they came in. Uh, so we got uh, Thomas, um, and he's from New Mexico. And then we have Chuck from Texas. And uh, then we're going to bring up Doc Allen from Sacramento. And uh, we'll keep on going after that. I think uh, our lovely Lisa Sublet's on the line, too. She says she's listening, but I tend to bring her up when I can, and I'll probably do that at one point here. All right, so we got uh, Albert Thomas. um, And uh, Albert had a case, and uh, he ended up pleading down to it because it was in a very hostile place. And um, But he's gone through all sorts of issues with pain, and uh, um, cannabis has made a big difference in his life. Uh, so, Albert, how how you doing today? Welcome to the show. Joe, I'm doing much better. Gosh, I have to tell you, you know, when I visited you in the beginning of July, I could barely walk. And getting up out of a chair was something that was very difficult. You know, I'd have to it'd take me, like, several seconds to stand even. And I want you to know that today I'm getting up and down like, you know, it, there's nothing wrong anymore. And <laughs> it's just, the cannabis not is working. That, you know, it's, that is work. And, 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 of course, the, uh, of course I, I'm distributing the Willow Creek Springs products <laughs> to people that I meet. And I, I have a swim Same class. Plug, I love it. <laughs> Yeah, and, but I, I've been giving it out, right? And people are now calling me up. I think I, I got to put an order in for you, so you got to place my order next week. <laughs> I got to stuff out to folks because it works so well. And you know, there there are products available here, but you know, Joe, it, it, I think it's that when I was in California, you guys, it was Kali Smith and you who um, introduced me to the term that the only way you know for sure it's pure is to grow it yourself and and that's how that's what got me going right and so while i was in hawaii the things that i was able to make were just so great but then being separated from it and seeing what how i deteriorated over the last year and then to see the benefit now i i'm just totally just so grateful you know for you guys and 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 the work that you do and now, did you end so up having issues um, prior to having access to the cannabis um, uh, with other uh, prescription drugs? Did you did you have to deal yes. with any of that? I, I absolutely did. I, I went through the litany because when I when I first got to Florida, that's when my flare up started because I wasn't able to produce my own medicine. And I thought that I was going to be able to find it on the street and stuff like that. And the stuff on the street, of course, was poison. And 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 I just started getting worse. And so, at any rate, I um, 
I, I'm sorry, I lost. What was the question you asked me originally? No, no, you were we were talking about the other, you know, the pharmaceuticals and the the other side of the coin. Exactly. So, so that when I got to Florida, I was stuck with Western medicine, and of course they they put me on all kind of stuff because my blood pressure was off, my my diabetes had started to show back up, and so one thing led to another. I was taking blood pressure medicine. It was interesting. You had mentioned something about people waking up in the middle of the freeway or not knowing where you are, just things that happen. And I had an episode like that when I was in Florida where I, you know, I woke up in my dining room face down in the carpet bleeding from the nose. Didn't know why. And it ends up it was the medication they had put me on. It was some kind of blood pressure medicine. And so they told me to cut it back in half. I cut it back in half, and I just stopped taking it. Now, I've been, I ended up having to go to a heart specialist who said that, you know, he thought that I should be on blood pressure medicine. And I was, you know, I think that more of what my problem was is that I was in pain, so much pain, and, and I had so much inflammation in my body, and that's what caused my blood pressure to spike. But just to answer your question, yes, I went through a bunch of medication for a while, and until I got here to New Mexico, and now I've got a doctor who supports me in using cannabis products uh, pretty much exclusively. I still end up taking some opiate, like uh, Tylenol number fours, if, it get, if I have a flare-up. But I've had, a, had one in over a week now, so it, you know, I, I, I don't expect Well, you know, to. the funny thing is when, when people um, are on a high you know, regimen of, of opiates or, or pain medication uh, and they start taking uh, the cannabis oil, uh, regularly, uh, what they find is, you know, when I when I was running my collective several years ago, I, I remember many conversations with patients who would come to me and they'd say, you know, I had a back surgery and I, I've never done drugs before in my life, and then they they give me these, um, you know, oxycodone, oxycotton, whatever, <laughs> and you know, it, it took the pain away, but they would only give me a prescription that would be for 30 days. And if I needed, you know, to take an extra one for breakthrough pain or whatever, I would run out before I could re-up my prescription. And then they'd have to go through these withdrawals. And they call mm-hmm. the doctor and they, you know, wouldn't do, they wouldn't give them more sooner than that. And so every month these these poor people who, through no fault of their own, you know, they got hurt, they had an operation, they followed their doctor's orders by getting this operation and back surgeries are a you know a gamble. They don't always work well, and um, you know then they find themselves being an addict. And the doctor's just fine with you being an addict to these medicines. Um, they they say, well, that's just the way it is. You're you're going to be you're going to be dependent on these things. And then they realize though that it happens so many times that these people are going to run out. So what do they do? They either go off to another doctor and get another script for it, so they have more, and then ultimately there's problems, complications that come with that. But what, what I found was when people would start to take cannabis oil or concentrates in, in higher doses of cannabis, well, by whatever means, could be taking cookies or whatever, however you get it, um, they would find that they would need the pain meds less, and the pain mm-hmm. meds would work better, and they would last longer. And ultimately, what I, what they would find is that after a month or two, 
they would end up having a few left over at the end of their month rather than, uh, you know, yeah. being out a few days prior. And ultimately, um, I can remember a couple of, of clients that came in, and I can still remember, I mean, this was, you know, about five, six years ago, um, and I can remember them coming in to my shop and big old smile on their face, and they said, you know, it's been two weeks since I've taken a pain medicine, and I've I've got my my situation under control completely with the cannabis and and my diet and exercise and and meditation or whatever it is other things they did in conjunction, but they were able to break free of these opiates, and and I can remember uh, just the joy in their eyes, you know, when they they had beat this, you know, there was a victory and they were free. You know, it, it's the thing is, is these these medicines are oppressive, and they get a mm-hmm. grip on you, and and they smother you, and you know they hold you down, and it's it's um, it's it's so, very difficult for me. I've been blessed in that I never, you know, I never got in a situation where I had to take these opiates, so I've never had to deal with the the grip. But I've watched so many people do it. And I understand what it what it's like as I've battled other things in the past, and so um, that's one of the reasons that I'm so passionate about this is because I watch, you know, I see in people's eyes, I see the freedom, you know, I'm all about the freedom. Uh, you know, I saw that movie Braveheart the other day, and you know, I've seen it before a long time ago, but I, I saw it the other day again, and I I just think about uh, you know the the, the human spirit where. You know, you can you could tolerate whatever it takes to get to that thing. You know that 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 inspires that freedom and and that guy uh, Wallace. You know, at the very end, he spit in their eye right before his head got cut off, and mm-hmm. inspired those people. And after mm-hmm. he was gone, they stepped forward and did it, did the job, and got their freedom. And I say to myself, mm-hmm. that's what this is all about. You know this. This war on drugs, this prohibition, it's oppressive. It's it's just like the fucking drugs that they give us, that these doctors, these pharma companies, that these, you know, rich fat cats who profit off of all of this, and it keeps us oppressed. And I say we can break free. We could We could be free of all this. And imagine what our lives would be. Imagine what our world would be if there was more of this freedom and less of this oppression. Well... Albert, it's always a pleasure to talk to you, and uh, uh, I'm excited that uh, you're out there uh, in Albuquerque or in New Mexico rather than in Oklahoma, because uh, Oklahoma by its own nature is pretty darn impressive. So um, I welcome you to continue listening, and uh, we're going to keep on moving. Any last words here? Yeah, thanks so much, Joe. I'm going to listen, and uh, if anyone wants you know, like to talk with me, Feel free. You can give out my information. I, you know, I'm happy to share my story and uh, my success in this. What we've done in the last few months. So thanks again. I certainly will. You betcha. All right, Albert. Okay. So up next we got Chuck Miller. Uh, Chuck is, uh, boy, I think we met Chuck. I don't know, four, three or four years ago, and uh, when we were trying to get our forum together and. Uh, uh, Chuck's a good old boy from Texas And he's been working at getting a chapter together for a while And in fact, um, uh, we got a package heading out to him right now I've got uh, a whole bunch of literature and stuff And uh, um, 
it's good to have some folks in the in the tough parts of town willing to stand up and uh, Chuck's a fishing guide on top of it all. So tell us what's going on there, Bubba. What's happening, Chuck? Oh, not much. We got some legislation. <laughs> Welcome to the we show. Got... Thanks, brother. It's nice to hear you. I miss you there for a couple of weeks, I think. Well, you know, when uh, there's there's times when I'm out traveling and whatnot, it's hard to hard to do oh, the no. show live. But I, I do what I do the best I can. <laughs> yeah, I can figure that. We got uh, we just opened up uh, our legislative session starts this year. We do it once okay. every two years. Uh, they started filing bills on Monday, I think. Okay. And so far, we've got one to bring a voter initiative on the ballot for medical marijuana in Texas. Nice. And we got another one to reduce the penalties for marijuana possession for under four ounces. And, well, uh, if anything, if even just that one gets in, it changes the way people think about it. Yeah, it does. It's, uh, it's tough out here in Texas. I think we only got like five or six members. Well, and you know what, though? You'd be surprised at, at how just a few handful of folks can can make a difference. I, if, if 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 the world really knew how small some of our chapters were that actually really get out there and get get the moving and shaking done, you know, there's uh, you'd be surprised at how how many times less than ten people can just really shake that mountain. Uh, and of course, we lost uh, Vincent Lopez this year. He, uh, Passed away about three or four months ago, five or six months ago, I guess now. Right. He had MS. He was one of our uh, members out here. He also ran the Austin 420 magazine. Yeah, that's one of the one of the worst things about this whole uh, campaign is that you know you're dealing with uh, so many sick people. I mean, that's why we fight so that people who need this medicine can have it. Yep, but exactly. to watch, you know, so many people come and, uh, you know, play it out, you know, and then don't make it through. Um, but, you know, a lot of times uh, when, when somebody does that, you know, they, they in, in their, you know, last weeks or months or years, keep fighting. It inspires other people. And, yeah. you know, I, I can't help but think that there's this uh, uh, momentum that's starting to grow. And as, you know, one more a sick person says, screw it, I've got to keep fighting, it'll bring two more healthy ones in their place. And I think we're yep. I think we're gaining on it. Slowly but surely, Bubba. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's my story and I'm sticking to it. I'm gonna keep <laughs> thinking it until it happens. That's the way I see it. Uh, so what happened to your fishing uh tour? I heard that we had a change of plans. Yeah, uh well my financial situation wasn't as good as I hoped it'd be. So uh, okay. I'm probably just going to end up staying in Texas and uh, throwing up a camp, inviting anybody who wants to come in to come in. Well, it looks like I'm probably going to be going to Oklahoma uh, for Chris Lewandowski's trial um, up there in uh, uh, Lawton, uh, Lawton yeah. Comanche County, right in the corner. It's yep. only a couple hours away from Dallas. Yeah, and, you're flying uh, into Dallas, right? Flying into Dallas, exactly. So uh, if we play our cards right, I might be able to squeak an extra day in there when everything's all said and done, and maybe we can uh, drop a line. There we go. There's a work. 
You know, uh, I figure uh, I, I, it's it's not the first time I've I've snuck a fishing trip in on a on a court support case. <laughs> I've caught a few good ones out and out and about. I got a nice catfish out in Kansas when I was out there last year, and I've uh, caught some good trout up in NorCal when I was when I was on a mission up there. So I figure, you know, it's all part of the part of the you know part of the experience. Got to got to yeah. sample the local fishing hole, right? Yeah, I got a buddy that wants to go down to the coast and do some flounder fishing. For some reason, gigging flounder is on his bucket list. Oh, really? Okay. List, well, my bucket I've never list is flounder, but... marlin. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I was gonna say, I don't know. Uh, I, I, I think the the sailfish seems like it'd be a little bit more, a uh, little bit more exciting. But uh, you know, whatever works. I'd like to catch yeah. a tarpon. I've never even caught one of them. Oh. Uh, we used to have one that lived under the uh, docks in Key West. When we'd come in, we'd wiggle the skin in the water. Oh, yeah? While we were cleaning fish, and he'd come up and suck uh-huh. it up, and he had a, about two feet of line in his mouth. And we'd grab it, and he'd jump straight up out of the water for all the tourists. <laughs> it was pretty amazing. I love it. You got a pet tarpon, huh? <laughs> yeah, pretty much. <laughs> Excellent. All right. Well, listen, I uh, it, it's a treat to have you on the show and uh you know i feel welcome to call anytime and i got your package actually i'm sitting here looking at it it's got to get out in the mail but it's uh it's sitting right here on my desk right now so uh got a whole nice nice chunk of goodies sweet you guys keep up the good work all righty thank you chuck we'll talk to you soon thank you all right chuck miller from texas and uh you know it's 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 tough when you got uh Big old place and a handful of people willing to stand up and fight. Um, but, you know, there's uh, there's something good about folks that are willing to dig in and uh, just keep on going. And Chuck's got a great attitude, and, uh, uh, you know, it's uh, great to have him part of the team. That's all I can say. All right, what happened to Doc Allen? Of course, I had him here, and now he's not here. All right. Well, we got Tom Corby on the line, and maybe uh, we can get Doc Allen to come back up and uh, see if he can join us. Let's see what happens. Tom Corby, you're going to come on in the middle of the show because we'll see. I don't know how uh, some of our callers that were supposed to call haven't, so we'll see what happens. Tom Corby, welcome to the show. You've got all the time you need to say what you need to right now. Go. Thank you, Joe. You caught me with my pants down. I'm used to going here at the end. And I'm glad I have a lot of time. And, again, we're not men of brevity. We have a lot of good things to say. And uh, I want to thank Bobby Rodrigo and the Coffee Party Radio uh, and all the folks on the front line that make these historical shows happen from the very beginning. I think we're going on five years. Uh, these shows are very important. Uh, I don't know where to start. Uh, uh, when you talk about big pharma, we know that cannabis yields and farms kill. Uh, we know that we're fighting Goliath. Uh, they're all making money on us. Think about it. On the borders, all the way up, all the cops, uh, the judges, the TAs, and they need to keep their jobs. So it is a lot about following the, the money every time. Uh, I see Chris Lewandowski here that I always bring up every time uh, and we want to free Chris Lewandowski and support him in every way we can. Uh, we thank him for standing his ground. 
uh, Dr. Allen's uh, uh, admin. It's actually an administrative med board hearing. What's that say? In the first place, uh, I'm glad Sue Cohen is there. Uh, she's the master, no matter what else, she's the master at admin uh, uh, board hearings. She won her own case. And uh, of course, this is civil, not criminal. Uh, our good attorneys like Tully uh, don't apply here. This criminal, civil, and you cannot be uh, a better civil savvy admin hearing attorney than Matthew Pappas. And shout out again for for Dr. Allen. Uh, it was only a week ago Dr. was messaging me uh, that he wasn't getting any support. And he has, and we've been trying for how many, I don't know, two or three years to get him some proper uh, legal representation, and now we have it. Uh, Alex Lyon came with me. Donna's good uh, therapy. Uh, she's just getting around, uh, so it's hard for her to go, but always there in spirit. I was glad Alex Lyons came to me. He's my neighbor. Of course, we know about his case. Spending 40 days in jail here, taking him on to trial. Uh, he wrote this note here. At first, Dr. Allen's update on the med board trial. Alex Lyons, early signs pointed out towards the judge denying Dr. Allen's request for a continuance since he has acquired new representation in Paris. Uh, very strong support, representation, and a new motion filed by Dr. Al to allow us to 15 defense him. We know uh, criminal, so no matter, they always try to keep our 215 and our, our 420 out. And once we get that in, and uh, the judge, uh, Judge uh, Marsha Larson, uh, allowed it in after she reviewed it in the back room. In the meantime, when she was in the back room, when she was in the back room, uh, we were uh, conversing with uh, uh, the, the prosecutor. Uh, he's, he was also at his last hearing. Uh, he's actually uh, a deputy attorney general. Uh, we talk about that. Uh, we really like him. Uh, right away, he shook my hand. And I thanked him because I know that all he wants is a fair, fair trial. And uh, he was very cordial. She asked the 215 got in. And we want to thank him. Uh, he, he's looking at the Human Solution International uh, for also, and he's interested in that. And he has the brochures, all the information. Uh, it was, uh, I was so glad to be the doc. was happy for all the court support there. Uh, and also when we have Lynette Davies, Scott Schrader, Kavai Floyd, Colum, Alex Lyon, Shelby Lucero, and especially Dr. Molly. I think about that. Two doctors, and when she talked to the DA, well, he's not a DA, he's just saying that, the Attorney General, Tam. His name is actually uh, uh, Jansen Tam. Uh, he was very interested in what she had to say. And... Uh, uh, and listen, we always point out, and Dr. Uh, Donna will tell you, doctors can't play doctor. Uh, uh, judges and uh, uh, DAs can't play doctor. Uh, doctors can't play judges. Uh, 
it went on to say uh, the reason that the 250 cents uh, is so important in a doctor's case that it states, quote, dogs can't be prosecuted. Think about that. Uh, that was pointed out to him. Uh, also, uh, AUMA, uh, Mike Harris pointed out, uh, was used also. Mike's nice to thank Mike Harris. Uh, we also brought that in. Uh, and I listened, by the way, Joe, uh, 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 with all the, the bad side of AUMA, this good side, defense are, are being released, uh, felonies are being reduced to misdemeanors. This is important because no one should go to jail for a plant, and at least less people will, and hopefully it's only for misdemeanors. Therefore, we can get the water dismissal on the end. Uh, to go on here, uh, what was Dr. Allen up for? Uh, he has agreed to uh, straighten up procedure. All doctors need to spend on the medicine. Uh, he was set up uh, by uh, a father and son and a, another accomplice that he was set up and and uh, he was charged with uh, prescribing for schizophrenia, which I believe is uh, bipolar. I think we all have some of that. <laughs> uh, which side of me, uh, which one of me are you talking to? <laughs> one of my friends said. Uh, he now agrees. Well, I'm a Gemini, uh, so I'm naturally uh, bipolar, schizophrenic, you name it. There's uh, one of each of me. <laughs> Well, that's right. That's right. It is together. And, uh, and I guess we can become schizophrenic. Sometimes I say, oh, my geez, is that, was that me? No, that was the other person. That's And I hear you so well. It's so important. And I'm hearing better with the, uh, the VA hearing aids. And they took good care of me, by the way. So he's agreed to follow now follow probation because he was resentful or he was uh, didn't agree with what they were doing. Now he's working with them and they're working with them and it looks really good for his trial that's coming up uh, in 30 days, Joe. Uh, we know we always see how important court support is and we always just request it. Uh, it's never mandatory when you volunteer. Nothing's ever mandatory. We just appreciate everybody putting their time in somewhere, like Joe said. It all helps. Uh, maybe Joe, you could come up 30 days. You know, anyway, if, if this attack goes on the trail, maybe they'll back off. See the, see yeah, the if light. it goes down, we'll uh, we'll see how it goes. Right now, now listen. Three of the most important, the crux of the whole hearing, what I see here, allowing that 215 defense and is paramount. Uh, and what they're doing now, they're reviewing uh, the 215, uh, uh, and also. Um, uh, letter of intent that PAP is, is uh, uh, filing, and the uh, judge will read it, and 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 the uh, attorney general can will read it. And uh, she brought out, and I posted on Facebook I, uh, one of the pages of a writ of mandate uh, motion. Uh, this is huge. This writ of mandate, you can check it out. Uh, just learning about it. Uh, so. Uh, I, I could say that's pretty much. I noticed that when Dr. Allen got all the support, what a difference in him. I didn't wonder if he was going to make it a week ago. Uh, he decided, uh, and, and all the people that came for him, he was so grateful, and that's why we come. Uh, that's reward enough when we come for others, and they come for us. Uh, to go on here, 
watching this. Uh, I want to bring out something again uh, about the CMA and the, and these uh, uh, misdemeanors now when I was uh, at Eric Pierce's uh, uh, challenge to the warrant hearing uh, here a couple weeks ago. Uh, he, I found out that he has DDA Leopane. Joe, you probably remember her. She's a good looker. I always say, open the door. Hello, beautiful. Well, she's also a previous defense attorney. And she, uh, when she came out, when uh, she came out, uh, Eric said in there, I couldn't hear her. She actually, when the judge brought up the case, she said, it's just another pawn case, Your Honor. And that tone of voice, uh, point being, uh, I caught her outside, uh, talked to us, really cordial. Uh, I mentioned uh, sales, all the, the PDs there and attorneys I talked to said these cases are being dismissed. Uh, so it's actually coming to re- reality, and I guess POWs are scheduled to be released. Uh, anyway, DDA Leah Payne, uh, if I had a, a DA that I was fighting against, it would be Leah Payne or, moreover, uh, DA Jennings that has uh, Alex Lyons' case, who's actually worked with Alex and doesn't agree with these laws and guidelines that, that were people going to jail for a plant. Uh, that's pretty positive. Uh, uh, on the other hand, also listening today, uh, uh, Michelle O'Hara, I talked to her uh, about her, uh, uh, I think last week, uh, and uh, she uh, got a hold of me through our Inland Cannabis Farmers Association here in Butte County uh, with some of our representatives. Uh, uh, Jesse McKenzie, and uh, she uh, wanted court support uh, for what? We were uh, when Feaster uh, shot the unarmed man getting out of the vehicle. Uh, we went to the trial. Uh, a lot of protesting went on. Well, I guess she knew too much. So Ramsey's got her up for tampering, which is uh, taking her First Amendment right away to protest. On the other hand, she's already went to four hearings and going to another hearing coming up uh, soon. And uh, I'll be posting that to the calendar. She was thankful, uh, actually, uh, for the support in that uh, we actually met at at our harvest festival that we have, Ray Daniel and Chico. And uh, her her attorney, who we like, uh, Saul Hansen, was actually there. Uh, and he was actually playing in the band, and uh, he came. He said, "I got ten cases. I got three. I'm I sure I'm taking them to trial." This is our mindset up here. Uh, you know, we have set huge precedents in Butte County. A lot of it started here, and we continue to do that. And uh, we appreciate all the folks coming and helping be the solution to prohibition, and you can join us at the Human Solution International.org and go to our calendar and check it out. Uh, uh, I also have Matt, uh, Matt Sears coming up uh, on the 30th that I'll be posting, and I uh, also already posted uh, Shelby Lucero's fifth pre-trial coming up this Friday at 9 a.m. at 720 uh, 9th Street in Sacramento. Uh, can you believe she uh, went to I talked to her. She was there to support Dr. Allen. 
Uh, she said, I was hoping we could make it. We're going to test therapy tomorrow. I, I don't think we can, but we might still will try it right away. Uh, she really feels confident maybe about finally getting the uh, case dismissed uh, with AMA again, uh, having every, uh, a lot of them to misdemeanor, so she uh, looks good for her. Uh, she says she's actually uh, had almost 60 continuations. We always point out <laughs> what a waste of taxpayers' money. Disrupting lives and family. Uh, yeah, she said she was going to call in today, but I, she hasn't made it so far. All right. Well, uh, okay, well uh, I hope she still does. And she's a really good speaker. She's good on the radio. Uh, yeah, she so hit me I, up uh, earlier in the week, but I told her she could call in, but no, well, no show. Yeah, at least still call. Yeah, oh, we're still, uh, still got another 45 minutes to go. All right, good. Well, uh, Doc, I missed Doc's on the line now, so I'm going to go ahead and bring him up. You got anything else? Listen, if you want if if you want to bring me up again after, I'll be coming in. I'll probably always find something to talk well, about. I'll tell you what, I'm going to keep you live on the air. As long as you don't have uh, any background noise, I'll keep your, live, your mic live, and I'm going to bring Doc Allen up right now. That way you guys can both okay. be on at the same time. All right, here we go. Dr. David Allen, now... A lot of people think that uh, doctors that write recommendations are some kind of a hack, but Dr. David Allen um, is actually a retired heart surgeon, and uh, he was renowned uh, when he was practicing cardiac uh, uh, medicine uh, and and did procedures that very few people would do. So, um, you know, anybody who thinks they're going to go judge a doctor, I try being one first. That's all I can say. I'm the son of a doctor, and I know a lot of uh, what goes on to be a doctor, not that I ever um, have what it takes to be one, but I, I, I have witnessed it. Uh, there's, there's a lot to that. So when somebody has MD behind their name, um, it's actually a title worthy of respect. And to, to have some punk uh, come in and set you up and try to strip that away is uh, maddening. Um, David Allen, how are you doing today? Welcome to the show. Thank you for having me, Joe. I appreciate it. Oh, always welcome, always welcome. We got Tom Corby on the air as well. Hey, Tom, how you doing? Hey, Doc. Good to I see you. We were there for you. It was. Uh, I, I wouldn't have missed that world. And uh, you notice how cordial it turned in there. And like you said, that's not what they planned on. Uh, they planned on four days of trial, and I guess Doc mentioning how much money they lose and talking again about their job. Yeah. So doc, uh, you heard, you heard what I posted. Uh, do you have any comments or corrections on that? Uh, we'd love to hear you share. Well, uh, your I'm being, I'm being charged with not doing a good faith exam on a patient and three, uh, investigators. Two of the three investigators had recording devices <clears throat> And uh, they recorded uh, me and other stuff in the office. Um, And the transcription of of the recordings had uh, left out those specific parts of people that were in the office talking about patient um, social security numbers and things, dates of birth and stuff. And... uh, and so I knew that this was some kind of, you know, they, 
a nefarious uh, way of recording us. And so the medical board has some kind of uh, way to uh, go around the federal law, which is 18 U.S.C. 2511. That's the federal recording uh, law on eavesdropping and and, um, wiretapping and requires a bunch of stuff that the medical board just doesn't want to do. And so instead of that, they have some kind of local authorization um, from the attorney general. Um, And it doesn't have to do with the criteria that is required by the federal law, 18 U.S.C. 2511. So anyway, so uh, they're accusing me of, of not doing a good faith exam on a cannabis patient. And uh, I proved in court that I had a 1.4% operative mortality uh, doing complex cardiac surgery. And that includes taking patients to the operating room from the, from the cath lab to the operating room that were dying in the cath lab and taking them, prepping them, uh, putting them under anesthesia and, and doing operations and saving their lives that while they were literally dying on the table. And so uh, they accused me after I proved that of not doing a good faith exam. And um, so I'm so happy um, that, that I've got some uh, representation for this Uh and uh, um, Matt Pappas has is, is, is been so generous to uh, offer to, to help me in this case, and I, I owe him my life for helping me. And uh, I'm going to try to do what I can to scrape some money to pay him. Uh, I could use some help with this, however, because... It's expensive just flying back and forth in hotels and stuff. And uh, so I don't know what, um, how much this is going to end up costing, but, but I'm on Social Security and I, I'm on food stamps since all this happened to me. So, so the medical board has made me indigent um, because they claim that I wasn't doing a proper exam. And I'm, I'm afraid of them because I think they kind of trump up charges um, and they can try to prove anything, and it's an administrative court, and and the, the biggest portion of the medical board's uh, budget is to the Office of Administrative Hearings. And so what that means is the judges and all the employees uh, are actually employees of the medical board. And in addition to that, uh, during my last hearing um, before the judge, I asked the judge, uh, is it true that if you find in my favor in this hearing that the medical board has the authority to reject your findings? And she said, yes, that's true. And so what that means is the medical board can reject the findings of the judge if they find you innocent of these charges of any charges. So I believe, I, I believe that this administrative court was a tool to deny me a jury trial where I would have 
been afforded a uh, a you know a lawyer, a public defender to uh, defend me in this accusation, uh, and they literally made me poverty stricken over saying that I didn't do the proper exam. That's right. There's no jury in Edmond. Oh, that's right, Judge. Matching deals. Well, you know, I think it's important for people to realize uh, so many people are out there pushing for this law or that law saying, well, this is going to make this legal and this is going to make that legal. Well, what you got, what, what, what people need to understand is there's a lot of different ways that the government could punish you outside of simple criminal court. Uh, in my case, I had all my cases dismissed. I had three felony cases. I had a total of, sheesh, I think it was 12, 7, 23 felonies I was ultimately charged with, and ultimately they were they were dismissed. And people would say, well, see, you won. Well, they stripped me of everything I ever made in my life. I'm 50 years old now, starting all over from scratch. I almost lost my house. I, I Luckily, my marriage withstood all the grief. I got locked up four times. I spent a ridiculous amount of time locked up behind bars for nothing, for something that never got caused anybody harm. Had to spend over 300 days in court, driving 75 miles one way to get there. Um, you know, and on and on and on. The pain and suffering, the cost of the process, the bail. I've had people, loved ones, people that I, I was so blessed, but there was over $100,000 paid out in bail that nobody ever got back. Attorney fees, uh, and, and it just goes on and on and on. How they can punish right. you without, and, that, and that's not counting the raids, you know, come in and tear your house apart and stick guns in your your wife and your daughter's heads and, and, you know, the trauma of all that, the helicopters, the PTSD, all of this stuff, this is the cost, this is what they can do to you. And and I say this, okay, to anybody who thinks that, you know, passing some little law is the answer, is the be-all and end-all, I'm not saying it's not a step, I'm not saying it's all bad, I'm just saying this should be, the, the fight should get stronger after we pass a law rather than everybody sit back and rejoice. Because if you've ever been raided, if you've, you've ever had, uh, you know, Doc, you got, you got, uh, you got the, what do they call that, the diesel therapy. They, they drug you in the trunk of a car across the country, and I don't know how many times I've heard stories of the, the, the diesel therapy. They had me locked up in a, in a cage in a bus with shackles and leg irons you know, like some kind of a monster, you know. And, and and this is the kind of thing that they do. They dehumanize, they strip you, they 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 do everything they can do to cause you harm and to to reduce you to less than a human and to make it to where you don't have you, you can't be a threat to them anymore. You know, they've stripped away your livelihood. I was living off of the grace of people I knew and and shelter food for I don't know how long at one point because of all of this. You know, it's it's the most humiliating, um, humbling thing that anybody could ever go through. And, you know, when when we think that we're all done because some little law got passed, and even one person still gets locked up for it. 
or one case didn't get dismissed, or one person. The, the thing that people don't realize, too, is even if people weren't going to jail, all they have to do is have probable cause and say that you were doing something beyond what the law allowed, and they can still come in and raid you, and they can still lock you up, and you can still go through that whole nightmare, and you can still sort it out in court. People don't realize hey, Joe. what that's all about until they've been there. Let me ask you a question, Joe. Yes, sir. Um, were you were you paying were you uh, making money and paying taxes before all this happened? Of course, I was how I was doing all right how, before all this happened. Yeah. After, after this happened, how did it affect your tax payments? I um, have paid very little taxes since then because I've made very little money. I it's so, I've been. So actually, I've, that's exactly right. It's 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 hurt them more than it helped them. I can assure you. So so actually, what they've done is the the law is actually preying on the tax base. Sure. They divert they divert money that normally would go to the tax base. They divert it into the uh, prison industrial complex. Well, there was about four businesses that I had that are no longer businesses anymore that had employees. When I got raided, I had, I don't know, 21 employees. Um, none of them are working for me anymore. They don't, you know. Now I'm just barely two and a half years after my case is dismissed, I'm barely starting to crawl back out yeah. of it. But hopefully yeah, next year point. I'll be paying some taxes. <laughs> that's my point. You know, uh, people don't understand that these drug task force actually prey on the tax base of the public. And they for for doing stuff that doesn't need to be uh corrected for smoking plants for for growing flowers for well for and most importantly pets. for a victimless crime for something that never caused a problem when we were in Oklahoma for uh Craig Lewandowski Chris Lewandowski's uh uh rescinding his plea deal that we sat in a courtroom where there was a murderer getting sentenced, and I listened to the tearful uh, testimony of the victim's family. The victim was dead, so the victim didn't get to testify. Um, and, and the victim's mom and the victim's uh, family uh, read letters from all of these people that it impacted, and, and, and the impact of this crime was echoed like a tsunami through this whole community. Never once. I have sat in so many courtrooms and so many sentencing hearings and so many cases, and never once, never once during a pot case was there a victim or a victim's family. And even the judge goes so far as to say there is no victim and no victim's family before they sentence uh, the defendant. So, you know, this is something that people just really need to get in their head, and, and we just need to take this thing home. And, Doc, you know, I, it breaks my heart that you've had to go through this. Uh, I have a deep respect for your work, and, and you and I have spent plenty of time together. Yeah. And you, you have some well, brilliant Joe, ideas about moving this medicine forward, and I'd love to still be part of that. I would, I'd like to make one more comment if you have a, a, fit, a minute. i got you know, one more minute. Okay, what's happening is this. The drug war is morphing. They used to have to use uh, a 12 jurors to, 
to convict people. But now jury nullification is spread all over the United States, and people are refusing to convict for cannabis. So what's happening is they're changing that. They're trying to make the laws where you don't need a juror. So they're changing things. They're going to make drug courts and administrative courts, and that's what's happening with this new Prop 64 thing. They're going to make it where uh, you go, you get a ticket, and you go before a magistrate, and they then they find you guilty, and then you pay the fine. That's how, what that's what's happening to the drug war. Yeah, I think there's going to be twenty thousand dollar fines. But the other side that yeah. they don't tell you is that there's still people that are going to be charged with operating outside of this law, and there's still people going to get be getting locked up, and there's still people going to be getting felony records on them because. That's just how it's going to be. It's bad. It's how it's been in every other state that has passed uh, recreational laws, and it's going to be that way in California as well. I hope to be wrong. God dang it, I hope to be wrong. But so well, far, we, we need we've to, been 100% right. We need the right. juries to protect us. We need the juries yep. to protect us. So we need, we need to make sure we don't go to drug courts. I couldn't agree more. Well, Doc, um, let me know. Uh, I, it's, it's likely that if uh, Matt is – uh, going to be attending your next hearing. Uh, it's entirely possible I might be able to get up there and tag along with him. Sometimes uh, he uh, he makes it possible for that to happen. So uh, awesome. I will talk to you soon. It's It's been a while since I've been up there. I'm due to come up to visit. So uh, unfortunately, I, I, I wish I could come up when there wasn't a case and we could just hang out and have some fun, but it always seems to be work. All right. Well, All right, Dave. Well, hang tough. Glad uh, it seems like you got a better outlook today than you did. So hopefully that'll continue on, and uh, you know we'll 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 get to the other side. All right, again, Dr. David Allen and Tom Corby. Tom, you're still on there. Did you have any last thing? I got about 25 minutes, and I got a bunch of people waiting in line to to talk. So um, your last chance here to throw down your final words. Yes, I, I want to remind people that. If you're listening in, you decide you want to talk, just hang up, call back in. Right, <laughs> uh, Shelby Lucero, I just got from Lisa Gordon. She should be calling back. Yeah, in Shelby's right on now. the line. She's she's waiting in line. Also, Michelle O'Hara, uh, she couldn't get in. Oh, she's I. Oh no, she's she's, been, she's on. She's listening right now. Oh, that's great. Thank you. Yeah, yeah, so she's listening to the show. Hey, Michelle, how's it going? I've heard good things about you. <laughs> All right, great. Thanks, Joe. And like Don always says, don't forget to breathe. It really does help. All right, Tom, you are a scholar and a gentleman and a superhero in my books, and uh, I will come up to see you soon enough. Maybe we'll be able to drop a line in in the winter water. That's great, Joe. I learned most of it from you. (laughs) All right, we'll talk soon. Okay, so last week when we were talking about the pharmaceuticals, uh, Kathy Z sat online and uh, she dropped off before she was able to talk. Um, and she, I told her I would definitely give her a chance to tell her story. She's got quite a, quite a pharmaceutical story. So we have Kathy Z, and then we have Mandy Thomas with our Midwest chapter report. She's actually got some good news for us. And then we'll finish up the show with Shelby Lucero, who's uh, got one of the longest-running cases I've ever seen. I've never seen a case be continued as long as Shelby Lucero's. Uh, it was, geez, three, let's see, it was 2013, it's 2016. So three and a half years ago when I was up there on the Cannabis doing our tour up to Montana, 
we stopped in Sacramento on the way back down, and it was Shelby Lucero's case. When we were marching from the federal building to the state building, uh, we ended up doing court support for Shelby. So, um, And it's been continued ever since. I guess it's moved forward, and who knows, maybe they'll actually get some sense in their head. Um, so, Kathy Z, uh, you are – whoops, no, you're not yet. Give me a second. got to push the button. Push the button. Kathy Z, you are live on the air. Welcome to the show. Hi, Joe. It's perfect timing because my whole thing I was going to talk about last week with the opioids started with a similar thing that happened to Dr. Allen, me being an RN. I was put through the RN um, board and put in their um, divergent, diverge, I can't say it today, but uh, they made me spend four years going to meetings after they admitted I didn't was not addicted to cannabis, but because my uh, employer uh, reported me because in a, a eight hour interrogation I admitted that I used it in the evenings, and so uh, this was what started my opioid use because I no longer could use the cannabis which I had discovered many years before that in the seventies. And um, I never was a very quiet person, so I had been an advocate on herbal medicine uh, before it was legal. And uh, so when they had an interrogation, I was brought in, and I couldn't even talk about it for a long, long time, for years. I, it would just make me uh, start trembling. And uh, but because I feared the loss of my livelihood, and uh, I uh, went to pharmaceutical meds, and gradually, within the next 15 years, I was my health totally failed, and I was unable to work. And the opioids were a big part of that, but it was all of the pharmaceuticals. So when I realized that it was that was happening to me. Um, that I was in four organ failure because of not everything that was wrong with my system, but because of the meds, I was able gradually over many years to get everything down. I still have to take some opioids, but um, only two a day. And um, what I found is with cannabis, you can decrease the amount of other medications so that you don't take a toxic amount. So there are certain things that you may need for your heart or for your other conditions. And with this, it's it's um, a well-rounding. You have to have the nutrition and everything. And um, being able to find this has helped because I've been able to um, go through a journey from, you know, tincture which helped me so much because it helped me get get um, an understanding of the cannabis. And um, now with with being on the the oil and um, er, the way I I mean I can rub it on I can take it in you know every form and believe me I do. Um, I don't have to rely on the medicines that were so toxic to my body, and I've healed so much compared to being 347 pounds 
and not being able to breathe. I was in kidney, lung, heart, and um, liver failure. And now I've been told that my heart muscle has healed. I still have an aneurysm, but it's not gotten any larger. I have my, now my uh, bleeding and my retinas have healed. And all of this has been since I've been able to give my uh, body a full, well-rounded doses of cannabis. And um, that's what I want to, to let people know that, you know, you have to, you, you know, they make us fight for this medicine, but it's so worth the fight. And we have to do it. And we can't let them say that we can live on six plants. I can't live on six plants. Uh, there's no way that I can. And um, the idea that we should be put in a prison cell we're doing what God gave us to make ourselves healthy again is an insanity and inhumanity and every kind of wrong in my book. And so um, that's what I'd like to, to say. I, could, I have so many, many stories to tell of people that I have seen this medicine help. And I've seen so many people destroyed by the struggle to take this medicine. And it doesn't make any sense except for the money and the profit of people who who make money by selling things that do not help you. And so we must stand strong and fight this in every way that we can so that our grandchildren and all of the people can take this medicine and get healthy. That's about what I got to say today, Joe. Okay. Well, I couldn't agree more. And, uh, you know, you have definitely been a pillar of inspiration going through as much pain as I've seen anybody go through and still keeping the fight and walking the walk. And, uh, you know, you... uh, inspire me every day kathy so uh it's uh it's an honor to and, be uh be here fighting with you well you know that the court thing was not over then because i also had to fight 11 years for my workman comp the last six was take it all the way to the appellate court uh so that i would have this right and not lose my workman's comp and so um that all of those things they did, like Dr. Allen says, with administrative courts, because they knew that they couldn't put me in front of a courtroom and have 12 people say that I was wrong. And I think that he is so right that this, this, is, this is exactly the way they're going to go, because it is not a, a, a justice system, it's a legal system. And for us to be free, we have to change that. Thank you, Joe. You betcha. All right. Once again, Kathy Z, uh, she's been an angel and a warrior, and, uh, you know, one of the reasons that we fight is people like her. All right. We got Mandy Thomas up next, and then Shelby Lucero, and that will likely be the end of the show here. And Lisa Sublet, I'm just going to bring you up just to say hi for one second. Lisa, hi. How you doing? I just had to hear your voice. <laughs> I love you, Joe. 
Well, next week maybe we'll uh, hear hear what's going on on your end of the day. Uh, but we got Mandy going to give us an update. We got some good sure. news, and uh, just just wanted to pop in to say hi. Well, love and blessings to all. Great show tonight. You betcha. We'll talk soon. All right, we got Mandy Thomas. Uh, she is uh, quite a warrior herself. <laughs> she's been she's been quite the feisty one lately, and. Uh, She's got a lot to say and uh, doing good things with our Midwest chapter. Tell us what's going on, Mandy. Hey, Joe. Hey, Lisa and everybody else. I hope everybody's doing well. Um, we have had uh, some some pretty good progress here in the Midwest chapter. Uh, the case that we were talking about out of, uh, out of Lawrence, um, it, it's actually had some good developments. Uh, they got a different judge. And uh, per my understanding from the defendant and the attorney, um, it, it, it's a judge that um, does seem to be more reasonable and understanding to their situation. Um, the court date got moved to late February. Um, and uh, so we're just waiting to see on if they're going to continue to try to press this issue or if they're just going to decide that, you know, once again, this kid didn't do anything wrong. Um, and today, uh, we uh, today he actually had his surgery. Um, I talked to his parents, um, okay. and and um, this afternoon uh, he is out of sur- uh, his dad said that he was out of surgery and doing great. Um, the report so far is that that he already has regained some feeling back in some of the areas that he <laughs> had in for years. Um, the doctor said that um, everything uh, was very good. They were able to uh, get in there and relieve a lot of pressure that was on that part of his brain. And oh, um, and, and hopefully since he's young enough and he, uh, you know, we know these, these young kids that age, they're, uh, they're quite resilient. And so, uh, and he seems to be quite the fighter himself. So, uh, so oh, far, so good. Um, he's a, uh, uh, everything, uh, it, it looks to be going in a positive manner there. Um, I do have some info, Joe, that I will be forwarding over to you uh, so that uh, we can keep everybody in the loop. Um, and I have talked to his attorney, and his attorney is actually willing to come on. I'm going to try to schedule him next week uh, to talk to us about jury null because uh, <clears throat> we've got some other things going on as well. Um, uh, an organi- the organization that I've, uh, I've, I've formed with uh, another activist, or actually a few other activists here in Kansas, uh, it, it was uh, Kansas for Cannabis, and with it, in the first year, we, we saw a lot of progress with it, and we've been able to be an impartial, uh, nonpartisan to any group in Kansas, and we've noticed that whenever we follow uh, good examples of how to extinguish a lot of the infighting and, and stay away from the splintering of these groups and uh, just focus on moving forward, we are able to get a lot more done. And so uh, what we decided to do, uh, we decided to restructure that, as I've mentioned before, into a coalition. And uh, with that coalition, uh, what, we're gonna, what we're in the process of um, is we're trying to get this off the ground as another grassroots nonprofit organization that can give any, activi- any members of the activist community involving um, cannabis um, we can give them a, a place for everybody to come together and, and kind of unite on a lot of fronts because, um, as we know, this is a very 
a very diverse situation. Um, it's hugely intersectional being as, you know, you talk about one form of cannabis legalization, you talk about another, and then you talk about another, and before you know it, you've covered 500 topics in a two-hour conversation, and you realize that there's still so much more ground to cover in this, and we need all hands on deck at this point, especially in Kansas, because, uh, you know, rumor has it that uh, our, our good old president-elect there has decided to bring uh, our, our good old uh, governor and our uh, secretary of state on board for whatever it is they're doing. Uh, I, I've heard that's debatable, but, you know, um, I've, I do know that they did throw their support to that um, presidency. And if they're going to go in there and try to run this country anything like they've ran the state of Kansas, then we are in a lot more trouble than people can perceive. Um, and so I think that if, um, you know, if, if we can get in there and, and get a lot of work done, uh, Leading Kansas has a great bill, um, and, it's a, and it's an ever-evolving bill that, um, it, that they do want to get put um, before the leaders of our state um, this session that's going to begin in January. And there's a lot of other great things that they're doing over there. There's a lot of great things that uh, the human, we're doing with the Human Solution. And what we're trying to do with the Kansans uh, for Compassionate Choice Coalition is we're trying to, trying to give all of those places a forum and um, basically just try to channel all of the energy possible to get everybody on, on board with this and, and to give everybody a place to kind of figure out where they want to direct their activism and where they want to direct their efforts as well as give everybody um, in Kansas a place to collaborate and, and share, share resources, share tips. Uh, share ideas, um, share events that we're doing, because, uh, Joe, I do need to get that proposal sent to you for the Midwest Freedom Fest, because uh, that is something that I think, you know, we need to make some noise on this, but we need we need to say the right things whenever we do it, um, because if, if we can uh, bid our governor adieu and bring cannabis into Kansas and, and turn this state around, I think that we can make a huge statement for the rest of the country. And, and it's always been my firm belief that it, whenever Kansas decides to give people a compassionate choice instead of toxic drugs that turn them into zombies drooling on their couches or contemplating suicide or turning crazy crawling up the walls in hospital rooms or, you know, through an IV that leaves half your forearm bruised for two weeks. Um, I think until we can get that message through to their heads, we've got a lot of work to do, but whenever we get it accomplished, what we're going to do is we're going to make a statement to the nation and the rest of the nation, hopefully, will be able to follow suit. So well, um, we need everybody on board. That sounds like... Uh... <clears throat> like some good words there and I'm looking forward to seeing uh what what comes of this coalition. You know, we've got our UCCA and and it looks like this is a another uh little offshoot from that and it seems like, you know, when Definitely. we get together and we 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 create a safe space, um hopefully one day, you know, I've got I think I've got more people blocked on social networking than I have than I have allowed to participate so i don't see any of the infighting anymore but i hear about it so it's uh yeah. hopefully hopefully um by having more 
people and groups willing to, you know, create a place for for positive and constructive action to happen without any of the the bullshit. Um, maybe maybe we'll start turning things around. So, well, Mandy, as hey, always, honey. it's a pleasure, and I love hearing about all the progress. And uh, remember, if anybody is uh, interested in helping out. Uh, with grant writing or um, if we have anybody who's looking to uh, fill an internship or satisfy court-appointed community service hours, um, get a hold of Mandy, and how would they do that? Um, Joe, they can can contact us through the Midwest Chapters page, um, and we can definitely throw links in in any comments, or they're welcome to uh, contact me on social media. Um, just my, I'm, I'm, I just go by my normal everyday name, Mandy Thomas, and um, I'm always um, I'm always monitoring uh, the Kansans for Compassionate Choice Coalition page as well as the uh, 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 Human Solution Midwest Chapter page. So any of those three outlets are a good way, um, and then uh, we can we can exchange contact information to um, to just kind of you know strengthen those connections and everything. So um, definitely contact me there if you're interested. Um, you're welcome to contact everybody at the Human Solution uh, International uh, National Chapter. Um, there with you guys, Joe, if they have problems um, to contact me because we stay in contact regularly. And um, I'm, we're happy to help. Um, either way, um, there's a lot of different ways to contact us. And we have people monitoring those things all the time and somebody will be happy to get back with you um, as soon as possible so that we can help show you how to be part of the solution. Beautiful. All right. Well, thank you so much, Mandy. And uh, as always, uh, looking forward to watching the Midwest rise up and uh, knock this thing out of the park. All right. We got just enough time for Shelby Lucero. She's uh, a current defendant, one of the longest running defendants um, that I've known of, aside from my case, which went six years. Um, we're getting there, uh, unfortunately, and hopefully uh, it'll be over soon. Shelby, welcome to the show. you got about five minutes. Yay. Actually, <laughs> my case has gone four and a half years, not three Okay, well, half, you're only a year and a half behind me. <laughs> I know. <laughs> well, um, yeah, there, and, and I, I kind of prefer to keep it that way. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, yeah. So, you don't want to go the full six. It's no good. Nah, I'm not going for a race. You win, hands down. (laughs) (laughs) So, yeah, I've been to court probably over 150 times, had, um, you know, more than 50 uh, continuances just on my prelim alone, and gone to court for four and a half years, all for about five pounds of trimmed cannabis. And um, I think it was like a pound and a half to two pounds of trim. Army tank in my front yard, um, execution of a raid. Uh, you know, ski masks, body armor, automatic weapons, uh, a month in jail for me, and uh, almost four months for my ex-husband. You know, divorce, bankruptcy, uh, like you were talking about rebuilding your life, it is way no fun. And this Friday, after Prop 64, if we could bring the, you know, the pig with lipstick, uh, hey, I'll apply the lipstick. (laughs) Let's, uh, (laughs) Let's go with it. I, you know, I, I didn't vote for Proposition 64, and I really got a lot of crap for um, hosting a debate here in Sacramento at the Capitol. Everybody said, well, you know, you're pro-Prop 64. That's why you're having the debate. And I brought people in from both sides because I was confused with this law. 
you know, and I knew that there were other people going, I don't know how I'm going to vote for this. Is this legalization? Is it really legalization? Because decriminalization would be legalization, right? And it's not, but um, regardless of complaining about how politics goes, because, you know, I just got out of my depression after the presidential election. <laughs> I'm like, so, um, you know, we're, we just have to work with what we've got and hope that, you know, uh, our government will change things. And I know that's not easy for people, especially trusting our government. It's really super hard, um, especially to those who feel like they've been abused by the system, including myself and probably Kathy and you and poor Dr. Allen, uh, you know, and he's a brilliant man. I, I wish him the best. I went to court with Jay and, you know, there's just so much injustice. It's just not, uh, not even measurable. And, you know, the people that come to court for you for each time that you go, I mean, you know, these people that have court cases, they don't have money to give gas cards or $10. And I try to do something every time, you know, maybe I'll buy them a cup of coffee or pancakes or it's just, it could not ever be enough. You know, it really couldn't be. And I'm hoping with Prop 64 that I think it was six felony charges that I have, which is quite a bit different than yours, thank God, um, <laughs> they will all all be reduced to misdemeanors. And I don't that really would be know. Awesome. That would yeah. yeah. Yeah, I really don't know what that means. I mean, does that mean that I'm done with court? Does that mean that I'm going to be going to trial for misdemeanors? And somebody told me, well, there is no court, there is no trial for misdemeanors. No, I looked it up. You can go, you can go to trial for misdemeanors. But yeah, would it be something? Trial, typically, yeah. Yeah, would it be something that you know they would really want? They probably spent three million dollars easy on my case through investigation, rating me on a national holiday, July fourth, two thousand twelve. The special agents pay overtime, pay holiday pay. Uh, my incarceration, the incarceration of my ex-husband, um, the you know our public defenders, like you were saying, talk about rebuilding your life. You know you don't you don't really have a life. Your life is kind of unhinged until this court thing is over. You know, and now I'm starting to make a little bit of progress because um, you know I have a business in the cannabis industry. I, it's an ancillary business, and but I'm not going to talk about it this show. But maybe after court, I'll talk about it a little bit more. But you know, people come down on you then, too, you know, the activists. Oh, well, you shouldn't be doing that because this is kind of, you know, where we shouldn't be going with our system. And it's like, you know, you don't you don't really get a lot of breaks. You don't know who your friends are sometimes. And, boy, Kansas. It's a tough you know, crowd, I'll back. tell you that. That's for sure. Yeah, God, embrace people, love each other. We're <laughs> on the same darn team. What happened team. to all the hippie thoughts, right? Just, uh, yeah, all for the, the peace and the... love business, I tell you what, yeah. I got more daggers in my back than I ever had in my life. I'm like, oh, geez, you know, I've got dagger scars somebody... that go from top to bottom. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, somebody needs some cannabis over here, you know, that's for sure. Because if they were medicating properly, they wouldn't have time for all that crap. They'd just be happy. Exactly. <laughs> well, listen, Shelby, we got about a minute left, and... Uh, so when's your next court date? This Friday, you say? It's this Friday, the 18th at 9 a.m. at Sacramento County Courthouse. I think it's 7th and H. And um, thank you times. to all. <laughs> yeah, thank you to all the people that have come. I mean, we have the Corbys. I love the Corbys. I couldn't say enough good things about them. Doc Allen, just love him. Sue Cologne, love her. Um, gosh, Patrice Mahoney. You know, she doesn't live here anymore, but still supportive. Um, 
Richard Miller, Kimberly Cargyle. I mean, these are all people in our community and people that, that we don't even know within the cannabis community. And thank you, Joe, for you. And, you know, I think it was Kristen Floor was driving the cannabis. And, you know, um, gosh, so many people. I don't, you know, just thanks to everybody who supported me. And, if, boy, by all means, if anybody wants to come to court this Friday, Sacramento, 9 a.m. I, I would department. say, you know, let's get a big showing out there because if it is indeed uh, going to happen or there's going to be a positive move, there's nothing better than being at court support when something good happens. I don't know how many times oh, we walk man. out of there licking our wounds, but, man, when we get a victory, oh, it's powerful stuff, folks. So please come on yeah. down there if you can and uh, be a part of this. You know, we're still making history. Uh, a law getting passed is just the tip of the iceberg. The history always gets made afterwards, and it's the people in the trenches that are doing the making. So, uh, Shelby, yeah. I look forward to hearing about the good uh, the good report that comes out of this. And, um, you know, it looks like next week we'll be going live again. I might be bringing up um, uh, Lance Glore's mom, um, and uh, we got a big old case going up. Um, up in Washington State where it's legal, and we got Lance Glore serving federal time um, in a legal state where the feds weren't going to do that. Uh, well, guess what, folks? They do what they want. So um, I'm hoping to have her come on as a guest next week, and we're going to continue on. We're going to keep on fighting as long as there's something to fight for. Uh, last uh, last parting shot, Shelby. Uh, Department 8. And, um, you know, come if you can. I would love to have you there. And, you know, if you show up, I'll buy you coffee and pancakes. <laughs> I love it. I might come up just for the pancakes. All right. Yay. We'll talk to you Thanks, guys. Thank you for all that you do, Joe. You're very much oh, appreciated. Oh, you betcha. Okay. All right. We'll talk again thank very you soon. Um, you know, I want to thank the Coffee Party Radio Network uh, for giving us a place to be. I didn't give much of a plug this time, but uh, Tom Corby jumped in on my behalf. And, uh, you know, I'm just very grateful to uh, have this platform and this place uh, uh, to give everybody a voice. And I want to thank everybody. Uh, thank you, Becca, for jumping in. Thank you, Noncompliant Mary, for screening. And thank you to all the guests who made this a fantastic show. And we'll see you next week. Hi, I'm Willie Nelson, and the Willie Nelson Teapot Party and I endorse The Human Solution, supporting cannabis prisoners because no one should go to jail for a plant. Little things I should have said and done, you were always on my 